Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. But now we have been released from the law. I love that word, released. Released from the law. It doesn't mean that we don't live by the law, we don't see the law, we don't see the value in the law. What we mean is we're released as being freed from the law, that it has purpose in our life. And then it says, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Oldness of the letter of the law. We serve in a new way, which would be the spirit of God. You see the word serve there. I will speak to the issue of fruit and service and try to make some sense out of that in just a moment. Let's just go through these very quickly. The benefits of being freed from the law. Number one, you have a new freedom. You have a new freedom. You don't need to be married to that old taskmaster, the law. So you have a new freedom. Number two, you have a new relationship. You have a new relationship. The verse says, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another. You see that phrase, joined to another. All right? It doesn't mean, so you're joined to another person, humanly speaking, in the context of you're joined to another husband. I get all of that. But now spiritually, you're now joined to, in the context, you're joined to Christ. So you are now free from, this, so you, free from the law and that husband so you can be joined to Christ. Now, See the word joined to another. In Scripture, you're going to see that a lot. Another this and another that, another gospel, another this, another, another comforter, etc. What does that really mean? I'm going to do another illustration here. If you can see this, I don't know. I've got two books up here. Both these are called Bibles, all right? I have one Bible here. Watch this now. Listen carefully. I have one Bible here, and I have another Bible here. It's another one of the same kind. It's just another. It would be like saying, and this is scriptural, Jesus says in the writing that Jesus is going to come back and I'll send another comforter, implying that Christ is a comforter and the Holy Spirit is a comforter. They're both comforters, different of the same kind. Now I have another book here, and I'll hold this one up here, not because it's got a hula girl on the front, but it's because it's the biggest book I can show you that's got all this on it. And this would be filled with a lot of information. It's called a phone book here, and a lot of ads are in this. Isn't this a pretty phone book that we have? Now I'm holding up a Bible here, that's one book, and I'm holding up the phone book, which is another book. This is another of a different kind, all right? This is another, the two Bibles, of the same kind. What he's saying here is when you trust Christ as Savior, you are joined to another of a different kind. Christ is absolutely different from the law. In fact, it says the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Said it twice in the first chapter of John. So it's another of a different kind. So you are now married to someone else. Y'all got that? All right, it's a new relationship. You don't have a relationship with the law. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number three, you have a new purpose. A new purpose. I love that. It says, so that you might bear fruit for God. You have a new purpose to live. Now, let me speak about that in a moment. That fruit could refer to the fruit of the Spirit. Once I trusted Christ as Savior, I now have the capacity to allow the Spirit of God to so fill me so that the fruit of the Spirit comes out through me, and I can bear that now, which I couldn't before because I was attached to the wrong thing that was dead. Now I'm alive and I can bear fruit and it's really the spirit through me. That is an acceptable answer. Another one is, if I'm an um, apple tree, I'm not going to bear oranges. I'm going to bear apples because an apple tree bears apples. So if I'm a Christian, 
then my job is to share the gospel with others. I'm given that mandate from the Lord in Matthew 28. And the end product of me sharing that message and God's work in that lost person, then fruit will happen. Paul had fruit. Jesus had fruit. We will have that kind of fruit. So again, now, what I like, I have a new purpose. My new purpose, once I've been delivered from the law, is that I can now, watch this, for the very first time, bear fruit. Are you tracking with me? Because I want to say this very clearly. The law might help you for a while do what I call sin management. You know what needs to be done, so you kind of do that, and for a while it looks like you're bearing fruit. But it's all done in the flesh. Dead situation cannot help you. In fact, it'll enslave you. Where the Spirit of God, there is liberty, all right? And so it won't help you for the long haul. When you trust Christ to save you, you are now in Christ. As you abide in Christ, you will bear much fruit from that. And so now it's an alive situation, so you can bear fruit where before we really can't. Have you known people in your life? Some of you have been old enough to know this. You know those people before they were saved, a bunch of scallywags, kalohe people. But when they trusted Christ as Savior, they then really saw the value of Christ and what he's done for them. And in a way to say, thank you, Lord, they gave their life to the Lord, not to be saved, not to stay saved, but because they are. And now you look at their life and you say, man, you are not the same person as I knew you to be. And what you're really saying is you are bearing fruit. You're so Christ-like. Christ is love. You're like love. Christ is full of joy, fullness of Christ, fullness of joy. You have that in your life right now. And that's because you now have a new relationship and a new purpose operating within you. Again, there's another phrase that I like so well, and there's also what I call, it says, to serve the Lord. Let's talk about that in the fourth point. It says, you have a new motivation. It says, for why we're in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the, law, by the law, were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. So in other words, what we did didn't do anything. But now we have been released from the law. And that but now means now that you're a Christian. You've been released from the law, having died to that by which you were bound. When you trusted Christ, you died with Christ. You were bound by the law. You're not bound by the law any longer. Now notice the phrase, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit. If you go up to the verse a little bit before then, you're going to say, it says, so that or in order that we bear fruit. Here it says, so that in order that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Now, this gets a little complicated, so I'm going to ask you to really listen, okay? One view of this could be looked upon soteriologically, which means for salvation. I don't do these things, I just trust Christ, I'm saved, and I get that. All right, the other way to look at this, and equally true, equally applicable, would be now as a Christian. Now that I'm delivered, I am not only saved, but I'm saved to serve. I have a new purpose, a new motivation. So now that I'm saved, it's not just so that I have fire insurance and then go on with life business as usual. The only thing is that I took care of my next life because I want to do whatever I want in my current life. No, that, that's not it. Yes, I'm going to have setbacks. Yes, I'm going to sin. I will always have forgiveness from the Lord, etc. But God says that we've been, we're, we're, we're saved to serve. And so now that I've trusted Christ as Savior, I have a new motivation. Now I, watch this, I don't serve the Lord to get saved. I serve the Lord now because I am saved. And it's almost like me saying, I love you, Lord. Look what you've done. How can I not say thank you? And I want to live the rest of my life demonstrating my thankfulness to you by surrendering to you to serve you. And so when you look at my life now, it's not to get saved, stay saved. It's because he already saved me. And I don't keep the law as a part of that as a way to grow spiritually. Good guidelines 
But if I look at Christ, he goes way beyond the law and he deals with the heart. And that's another subject for another time which we will get to. So again, why am I saved? Number one, to bear fruit and to serve. That's my new motivation. All right? Let's go now to the third, which would be the purposes of the law. The purposes of the law. Even though there's a lot of scripture right here, in my opinion, as I went through this trying to compare them all, it does say some new stuff, but mostly what Paul is doing now is he is doing a review of chapter 6 and what I've already covered in chapter 7. So I'm going to go pretty quickly in this, so it is somewhat of a review. So what is the purpose of the law? So let's look at it. What shall we say then? Stan, you've been telling us how bad the law is, so is the law sin? So is the law bad? Is it wicked? Is it evil? Is it sin in of itself? And notice how Paul answers that. He says, may it never be. And in the Greek, that's the most strongest way to say, no way. And he kept doing this in Romans 6. He's now doing it in Romans 7, twice in chapter 6. Now again in chapter 7. Is this how you do it? Is this? And he kept saying, no way, no way. You're not getting it yet. It is not sinful. Wake up, smell the coffee. All right, it goes on to say, on the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. So there is value now. For I would not have known about coveting. If the law had not said, you shall not covet. Once I learned that, then I know what coveting is, and I knew that I blew it. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. So it's not just one little coveting. It just kind of explored. It, it, it went everywhere with it. It was coveting. It was lust. It was bitterness when I didn't get what I wanted. It just goes on and on and on. It goes way beyond all of that. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law. That means not so much that... that uh, uh, it was a great thing. It was more like I didn't have the law, didn't know I was doing anything wrong, so I was just kind of living this uh, anarchist way, any way that I wanted to, a hedonistic life apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin became alive in me now. Now I really saw what sin was. It wasn't that I didn't have it before. It now became alive. And I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. I thought, man, this is what's going to help me get to heaven. I got this commandments now. I know what to do, but uh-oh. All it's telling me now is how sinful I am and because I'm a sinner, totally inwardly, nature and choice, it's provided me separation from God now and separation from Him for eternity. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So then the law, and underline this in your Bible, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? Again, may it never be. Rather, it was sin, in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. My badness would show me how utterly bad I was. Now, I'm going to go through these last points in a second, but let me try to give you this clarity about law and sin. This is an earthly illustration. Bear with me. I, I hope you will understand the, the love I'm going to give this because this is going everywhere. You, as I'm told, you can have the HIV virus. But once that HIV virus kicks in, that's when you get AIDS. So when you have HIV, that doesn't mean you have AIDS. You have a high potential for AIDS, all right? But it's the HIV virus that starts. Now, here's what I'm saying not saying HIV is sin. I'm using that as an earthly illustration, something inside. We have, like the HIV virus, sin with us. We were born in sin. It is our nature, and from our nature we do sinful deeds. We are just depraved people, all right? That's there. When the law was given, 
that ignited that HIV virus of sin and brought it all out and revealed truly how sinful we are, how desperate we are for Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So without the law, we would have never seen how sinful we are. So actually, the law is excellent. It is perfect. Here it is. It is holy. It is good and is righteousness. So all of us should not disdain the law. We should thank God for the law because it revealed how sinful we are as long as we don't believe Satan's lie that the law has anything to do with us practically in getting saved, like keeping the law and keeping the law to stay saved. All it was was a teacher. All it did was to say, see how bad you are? See how you can't save yourself? See how you need Christ? Now let's spin this For those that are saved. See how doing the law is not going to make you spiritual? How that keeping the law is not going to make you spiritual? How the law is nothing but guidelines pointing you that the only way that you will become spiritual is when you allow Christ to live his life out through you and in you for his glory? So now the law takes on greater meaning. So let's not distort it or compromise it. Let's properly, properly, properly celebrate it. Now let's go through these points quickly. Number one. Again, the purpose, the law identifies sin. It let us know that we're a sinner. Number two, the law arouses sin within us. It lets us know how sinful we really, 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 really are. Number three, the law judges us and condemns us. We know laws don't work in a human relationship. Why would we think they'd work in a spiritual relationship? So the law judges and condemns us. Number four, the law shows us the character of God. When I look at the law as holy and commandment as holy and righteous and good, I could find the attributes of God in all of that. So the law and God together are good, and God uses the law for a great purpose, and that is to lead us to Christ. The law shows us how bad sin really is. I want to end now with what's the solution We'll spend more time in future weeks, but if you have time, go to Galatians, if you will, for just a moment. Galatians chapter 3. I encourage you all to read Galatians as a partner book as you go through Romans, particularly Romans 6, 7, and 8. But go, if you will, to Rome, or Galatians chapter 3, because I want to I end on, a, on, a, on an up note. We should anyway, because the law is good. We learned that and it has a purpose. We got that. But I also want you to know, it's not, it's not just to say how bad we are. It's to point us to... Jesus Christ, who is God, who is altogether lovely, who loved me with a love that I'll never fully understand, and he demonstrated that wonderful love to me that while I was yet a sinner, he would die for me on the cross. And so I would have never known Christ until someone shared with me scripture that said, Stan, I know you know you're bad because everybody kind of knows they're bad. They all got that thing going on inside of them. But you didn't realize how bad you are. You are so bad that there's nothing, nothing, nothing you could do that would ever overcome that badness that you have. Even if it's a religious thing like keeping the law, even if it's a social good deed, there's nothing you can do. You absolutely need Christ and what he's done for you on the cross. And the only thing that links you from your badness to Christ is his forgiveness that is granted unto you, watch this, the moment you place your faith in Christ who is the Lord who died and rose again for you and me. And that's what this passage in Galatians is now saying. Follow along with me. It begins in verse 23. But before the law came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. And by the way, what does it mean later to be revealed? Some of you might be reading that and you're saying, well, you mean there was no faith in the Old Testament? That's a different thing. And now New Testament is another new thing. So faith came when Jesus came, but it wasn't before Jesus. No, no, look at it this way, folks. Um, 
the week before I trusted Christ as Savior, I was invited to a meeting. I did not go because I had an automobile accident. Don't worry, I wasn't killed. But I was at that accident, and I didn't feel like going out that day. And so I stayed at home. All right? Faith was not revealed to me. I was before faith. Then I went to the meeting. I heard the message of salvation from a person who carefully showed me that the Bible is God's mind on paper. I can trust it verbally through apologetics and science and all of this stuff. And that faith alone in Christ alone would give me eternal life. And it was then that faith was revealed. Not to the world, not to the whole system of mankind, but that's when faith was revealed to me. And when that was revealed to me, it was born upon the fact that I was shown in Scripture that I am lost. And being lost, that means I'll be separated from, for eternity from God. And there's nothing I can do. I am hopelessly lost apart from the finished work of Christ. And then I trusted Christ as Savior. Back to the verse. So that's what it means, reveal later. All right? Then it says in verse 24, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. Now, what you need to see in that verse, it says, to lead us to Christ. You can be led to Christ, meaning led to the knowledge of Christ and who he is and what he's done, but that doesn't mean you're saved, even though now you know that Christ is the only way to go to heaven. It says, so that we may be justified by faith. So we activate that. We make that real in our life when we do it by faith. Are you looking at the verse? Look at it very carefully. It doesn't say... But now that faith has come, we no longer, verse 24, it doesn't say, lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by works. It doesn't say that we may be justified by the law or we may be justified by faith and works and the law. It's by faith alone, period, right after faith, period, verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor to be saved or for any other reason. Again, the purpose of the law is to keep pointing us to Christ, even for our sanctification, verse 26. For you are all sons of God... Through faith in Christ. Now remember, not everybody is a son of God. Not everybody has God as their father. It's only those through faith in Christ Jesus. Now notice what it doesn't say. You become a child of God through your good works. It doesn't say you become a child of God through faith and your good works. It doesn't say for all are sons of God through faith and keeping the law. It doesn't say for all are sons of God through faith. Oop, it just, yeah, no, no, it doesn't say that. Faith never saved anybody. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, period. And so that's where we're going to end on today. That I am saved for eternity by my faith in Christ, but it's also through my continual faith in Christ as I completely trust in him to work out his life through me as I follow his scriptures for my life. Now, my dear friends, when you go home today, I want you to celebrate the greatness and the goodness of God at the same time to realize the evil wickedness of ourselves And take a moment and just say, Lord, I want to thank you for the law. It wasn't for the law showing me how bad I was and how much you are my only redeemer. You're my only savior. You're my only hope. And by my faith in you, I'd never be justified. Thank you. I'm smiling. Get ready for this. This is just the beginning to know what's in this. This is just the beginning of what's in this. So sit there and just Love the Lord for who he is and what he's done for us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I I don't want a moment to go by without being given an opportunity for you to just take a moment to trust Christ. Remember, knowing who Christ is, what he's done, knowing what you need to do, knowing how lost you really are is not going to save you. You have to take that knowledge, believe it is truth, 
And then you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And for you, it's basically saying, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know I can't get to heaven. I know that Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again for me. And so I'm trusting in you. And You know, somewhere in the midst of that going on in your mind, that mental transaction, that true abandonment of your own way to get to heaven, and the full acceptance of God's only way to get to heaven through Christ, Jesus is so sensitive, so caring, so all-knowing about you and where you are with him and your knowledge level that if by faith alone, your way, as long as you don't attach anything else to it, he says, Jesus speaking, he that believes on me, that's it. Believing God, taking Jesus at his word, will have right now everlasting life. And now what that does is it gives you an opportunity not just to have fire insurance from hell. It gives you an opportunity to bear fruit, to make your life really count for something, and to serve God, to say, Lord, thank you, not to get to heaven, but because you are, not to get a relationship, but because you have one. So the great confession, Jesus is the Lord who died and rose again. The great commandments, to love him now. To love others. And the Great Commission. Because you really love others, you want them to know Christ and to become a fully devoted follower of him. Would you take a moment right now and just worship the Lord in your own heart? And somewhere in there, take a moment and say, Lord, thank you for the law. It's like saying, Lord, thank you for the teachers in my life that pointed me to truth of how to do a computer issue or how to solve a math problem or whatever. I thank you for the teachers, the tutors, those that kept holding my hand and bringing me to, to a place I should be. But now you're doing it with the law. And you're saying, Lord, thank you for the law. Lord, help me to know the law accurately and not to have a misunderstanding of an inaccurate one. For if I don't know the truth about the law, that could mess me up for salvation if I'm on the front end of this will mess you up but on the back end if you're already saved it can mess you up on your spiritual life development is there anyone in here today that's ready to accept Christ as your personal savior so if you're saying to the Lord in your own heart Lord I'm trusting in you as the one who died and rose again for me I'm fully committed in my faith to you and not my works not another religious system but only in you I'd like to pray for you my friend I'm not going to have you stand up. You don't have to do anything publicly. Later on, after you know Christ, you ought to do all of that. We all ought to do that. But for right now, just what I'm asking you is just to let me know privately. Now, you don't even have to do that. If you've trusted Christ, you're already saved, whether you let me know or whether I pray for you or not. I'm just wanting to do that because I love you. And I know what it was like the the moment I trusted Christ. And I was so glad I had someone there to to just kind of be a part of that experience wasn't necessary. The gospel was necessary, but that person brought me the gospel. Okay, Christians, let me speak to you for a moment. Is there anyone today that's realizing that you've been delivered from the law and the bondage of it, and now you see the law as someone who's going to point you to Christ for your your Christian walk. Some of you that have been struggling with this whole concept of where does the law fit into this? 
and God just used his word and his spirit to open some truths up to you. And you'd like for me to pray for you because you want to know what's in it. You want to go a little deeper. You want to have a full understanding. Because all that is truth about the Lord. Our gracious Heavenly Father, when people ask us how we're doing, we can say beyond, oh, we're doing fine. We can say it is well with our soul. And we can really mean it because we know what's in it. And we know even then we'll not know all of it. So help us to continue to plummet the wonderful depths of your word and experience what it means to be raised in the likeness of Christ, in the newness of Christ. And help us, Father, to allow you to live that life out today as we go to the restaurants or we go out to the beach. And this week when we face all the challenges on our jobs, our classes, our life, so that Christ is really shown to be our life. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.